Oh, oh, one more thing. Yes, Just One More Thing, a podcast about Columbo. I'm John Morris. And I'm R.J. White. This time around, we're talking about A Stitch in Crime. Originally broadcast February 11th, 1973, directed by High Averbeck, written by Cheryl Hendricks, and starring Leonard Nimoy, Will Gear, and Francis, and of course, Peter Falk as Columbo. And every episode of Just One More Thing, we're joined by a special guest to help us discuss Columbo, this time around, it's writer for the AV Club and culture critic, Zach Handlin. But before we bring Zach on, RJ, sing to me the wonderful songs of your hidden people from a time before time. Leonard Nimoy is Dr. Barry <laughs> Mayfield, who's a trifle eager to get his groundbreaking medical research out into the world. How eager? Eager enough to kill his partner with a faulty heart valve. Eager enough to kill a nurse who might expose his willful malpractice. Eager enough to kill her recovering addict ex-boyfriend with a staged overdose. You see, he's just a go-getter. Can Columbo overcome his fear of hospital, surgery, and a bad case of indigestion to catch this homicidal healthcare practitioner in the act? Well, here's your prescription. Take two pills of justice and call me in the morning. <laughs> Zach, welcome to the show. Oh. Uh, first, we ask this, uh, folks who have not been on the program before, how did you first... Uh, come to Columbo, as it were. Uh, reruns when I was a kid. Um, I remember being in, like, I don't know, some sort of babysitting situation, because I'm, I'm, like, I'm in my mid-30s, so they'd be during the day on, like, ABC or NBC or some station. Gosh, very specific. But I remember watching episodes, uh, with my sister between, like, Dukes of Hazard and uh, Little House on the Prairie or something, <laughs> and I remember, nice. I remember, uh, the Johnny Cash episode coming up one oh. time. And just being blown away. <laughs> it's like, Johnny Cash is a murderer? This he, is the best show ever! He killed a lady? This is great! Yeah! With like and a plays plane. one song? Amazing. And nothing else? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then as I got older, uh, no, I just, I kept kind of, had that in the back of my mind, and they popped up on Netflix, and I, I still haven't probably watched more than 10 or 11 episodes at this point, so I'm still kind of, a, I'm still a novice. Oh, good, but, no, but you, but you, got, my, you got a lot of yeah. good stuff ahead of you then. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, I can't remember, did you, you picked this episode to talk about, right? I did, I did. And, and why did you uh, pick this one of the uh, handful you've seen so far? Uh, I haven't actually seen it before I picked it. I picked. It oh, interesting. Yeah, I know, I picked it because it had Leonard Nimoy. I, um, good I reason? Yeah, I I uh, I love you know I love Leonard Nimoy. I wrote all about Star Trek for the AV Club for years, and okay. um, and I wanted I thought you know I wanted to pick a good guest star, but I didn't want to go predictable. I didn't want to pick Patrick McGowan. Um, I didn't I, so I thought Nimoy would be an interesting choice, especially because I hadn't seen the episode. And it turned out it's not it's not the favorite of the ones I've seen so far, but it's I I liked it a lot. I had a lot of weird. And Nimoy makes a very interesting, interesting bad guy. I think. Well, yeah, I mean, okay. So going with that, you picked it because of Nimoy. How was it uh, seeing him play such a thing that was very, very much against type, I guess, for Leonard Nimoy? I mean, from uh, Star Trek, of course, from Mission Impossible, from him just being mostly over the years this really kind of nice, good guy, and then this, he's just a horrible, horrible <laughs> man. He really is. He like, and the fact is that he, he like cannot be body, worse. Oh, he's he like terrible. Goes to murder. He goes to murder like instantly. Like there's uh -huh. no like build up to it. He doesn't have this big fight with anybody. He's like, oh, <laughs> nope. I guess I'll just try to kill him. And that's... oh, the nurse, the nurse suspects me. I guess I'll beat her to death with a crowbar. Why yes. not? It's yeah. Like, oh. It's like uh, he comes to a situation. Okay, there's maybe three or four things I could do here. 
for most people, murder would be way down the list for him. It's the very top <laughs> normal thing. Like, oh, well, that's of course. Why yeah. wouldn't you do this to solve your problem? There's yeah, yeah there's there's Ooh. literally zero hesitation or doubt. Nope. And when he when he confronts her in the parking garage, when he confronts his at this point second murder, yes, uh, in the first fifteen minutes, yeah, uh, he he just gives her an appraising look that seems more matter of fact, like the kind of look you might get from a library attendant if yeah. you <laughs> ask him a, an irrelevant question. Yes, exactly. So, there's the I, I'm very fond of the of the parking garage murder because it's so cool and collected and simple. But, oh, but it's, it's with a tire iron. He came out of a hospital. There's yes. literally a hundred ways to kill people with things in a hospital. Yeah. And he chose a tire iron. And also, it, it's terrible because um, the way the way the scene is edited and shot and directed, uh, you see her reaction where she knows exactly what's coming before she is murdered, which makes it even right. more awful. Yeah. I think. And she's not oh. really terrified either. She she feels... Yeah, there's the, a terrible realization... Yes. She looks like slightly offended and baffled and obviously a little scared, but more and like also justified at him. But yeah. also justified. It's like, oh, right. yes, I thought he was a horrible dick the entire time. <laughs> well, this <laughs> is it. My Look last my last ex- my last moments on earth will be spent uh, having my uh, assumptions about this guy completely and totally proven. Well, one of the things I love about just patting herself on the back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> about about watching the show, and again, I've only seen twelve. I'm sure there's there's a lot of variety, but I love the way it treats murder. It it doesn't completely downplay it, but it also doesn't like fetishize it in the sense that a lot of modern crime shows do. Like, there's no sense of like like it's not so much that we're supposed to grieve over the death, but each situation is presented. Oh, you know, this person got killed. That kind of sucks. Let's just let's figure it out. It's like oh, much you know more, what. Yeah, it's just a that's, puzzle. Yeah. That's very interesting, and, and no one else has brought that up on the show before. Well, that's a really... I never thought about it like that. Yes. He's a, a culture critic. The, Holy there's crap. A, there's, there's an ethos to the show that that basically... It's a fundamentally optimistic show because the reason the criminals always fail is because when you commit a murder, there you have to get everything right. Columbo just has to figure it out. Like He, he just keeps doggedly going because he knows eventually something's going to go wrong because with a murder, you can't... Like There can't be any... I'm I'm getting muddled now, but to me that's what to me no, the show. No, no, that's it posits a, a universe, an essentially just universe. Yes, um, and and Columbo is sort of the avatar of that justice to get really pretentious. I always look at him as like he's like when you're reading a mystery novel or a crime, and like after you've after you've written enough writ read enough mystery novels, you begin to sort of, especially with like kind of junky ones, you can spot because it's like, okay, that person has to be the killer because they're kind of the least suspicious in a suspicious way. And I always feel like Columbo is that person reading a mystery novel who figures out the killer like almost immediately in the like, first five pages and then has to spend the rest of the story just kind of justifying that because he always seems to know. Like the very first scene he sees Nimoy, he knows. And like he comes up with that cool mm. bit about the clock. Right. Like, and that's, that's, I just love that idea of there's no real suspense here about you're never really that worried that the murderer is going to get away or that 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 evil will triumph. It's more just this really fun, pleasurable game of how is this nice man who you adore, who I mean, you can't you can't not love Columbo. How is he right. going to like like win? It's I don't know. Yeah, it's just really neat. I wanted to uh, actually talk about uh, when Col- Columbo confronts uh, Nimoy uh, when he's setting the clock and receiving the news of the murder. And I think we might have mentioned this before, but I wonder if that's Columbo's general technique as part of the police business that's always happening off screen and we don't get to see Mm -hmm. if whenever Columbo interviews anybody even tangentially related with the murder 
if he always tries to point out something they do that seems uh, inappropriate, even if it's made up, because that's a real good way to get people to start slipping up. Oh, yeah. 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 Like even if even if Colombo has seen a million people set their clocks after receiving news of a murder, uh, it's still like it, he just noticed that. And so he decides uh, that's weird. I've never seen anyone do that. And that's a good, by the way, remind me to stop doing Columbo impressions because they're not. <laughs> I don't know why I do them every time. I listen to every podcast and every podcast I go, I'm terrible at that. And I still do it every time. Anyway. Um, I just, stay, I just, uh, I just uh, do that at home and my wife frowns at me. So I keep it off of the fake internet <laughs> airwaves. So, yeah. Oh, God, we're such monkeys. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I was just kind of wondering if uh, what you thought of that, if if this was something Columbo, this was the indicator that Columbo knew who the killer was, or if this is just part of Columbo's technique to unsettle people and rattle I, them and get them to start I don't, ma- exposing their guilt. I don't know, because it seems like he, he usually uh, zeroes in on the person pretty soon. So it seems like it could be that. Yeah. But then this one, there isn't exactly huge reason to know that yet for him to know that it's this guy right away so yeah i don't know like he's just kind of casting about like well this is the most likely guy so i'm going to try to throw him a bit if i get something from that then i know it's him so it could be that maybe i don't know have we ever seen him like rattle somebody who was innocent or try to rattle somebody who was um i don't know i don't think so sort of well which one well there there is like Suitable for framing, the aunt gets nervous, and uh, the one oh, we right. just did, but uh, he's always shock. Right. The the lawyer got super nervous. Right, but I think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he's trying to knock something loose or not, though, because it seems like he kind of knew in both those cases who he was going to go after. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I can't. I don't know why he would have shook the lawyer a little bit if he wasn't just kind of shaking the tree to see if anything fell out. Yeah, but then it turns out the lawyer was a huge. Freak anyway. Do you want to know why I mentioned this? By the way, hmm. what got me thinking about it? What? Uh, it's when when my father died a couple years ago, and I had to go down to to you know, I flew all the way down to Tucson from Washington to settle all the affairs, take care of the house, all that stuff. And about forty eight hours after he had died, I I was just in a rush to take care of as much as I could. I located the will, called his lawyer, got the cremation set up, started setting up funeral arrangements, arranged the estate sale, started gathering stuff in the house, called everybody was trying to be as efficient as possible. And about half the people I spoke to all said the same thing, which is, wow, you're handling this really fast. Wow, this uh, I've never seen someone handle all this so quickly. And every time I thought, are you accusing me of murder? <laughs> it's just, it always felt like, why would you, like, obviously somebody close to you dying can be a really jarring experience. See? And everybody was just telling me one after the other, Boy, you sure are barreling through this, almost See, like you've had it planned. The weird, the weird, <laughs> the weird thing is, I, I did the same thing happened to my mom uh, this past uh, February, and I did the entire. I, I was doing all that because I had a limited amount of time uh, back in Michigan, and I was like, the day after, it's like, okay, I got to get through this stuff. Uh, no one, I, I maybe you just look like a murderer, John, because no one said that to me. Everyone's like, like, oh, I'm sorry, this is, I'm sorry, this is a terrible thing. I'm sorry. but no one ever suggested to me there may have been some foul play. What? But you, they did. There's That's no crazy. Oh. I don't know what that you is. You look exactly like the kind of guy who would murder yes! a lot of people. Like, like, like some guy who, like some guy who works at like the uh, the ice cream uh, shop, and then yeah. just has you're one hour like in the burbs, like in the burbs, then had a whole bunch of people in his basement. Right. Yeah. 
You are. I, I would. I would say one hour photo would be my go to. But you absolutely are a serial killer. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe but you I, and I, I just look, look like, like different a, types of killers. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I just. I look like a straight up like barbarian murderer. So that's the difference. <laughs> Zach, what kind of murderer do you look like? Yes. I look like more of a passion killer, I think, or um, oh, or that's, a poisoner. That's a nice I, one. I, I, no, I, I passion killer is a good a one. Mustache now, so I could be like a poisoner. I feel like oh, I have that sort of like, like okay. devilish, like oh no, I would never kill anyone. What? Yeah, have this drink. And you know what? Uh, uh, to our listeners, uh, if you want to write in, comment on the site or uh, comment to us on uh, uh, Twitter. Eh, what site? Are, what kind of murderers you look like? Just let us know, and maybe we'll <laughs> read them on a future program. All right. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted, oh, well, I just wanted to, uh, to throw out there one of the things I love about the show too is the fact that it, a lot of the stuff that Columbo says were on the show you're like oh you got you there yeah. but in real life like people do not always behave in particular predictable ways, especially in response to trauma. There is absolutely no reason oh, right. why he to pick up the clock, or there's various no re- and like none of the things he really comes to. Which is one of the th- reasons the show is so much fun is because he's basically pointing out these little things, which a person who hadn't actually killed them would be like, "Yeah, whatever. I I just did that. It's not a big deal." But the person who is, uh, keeps keeps pushing them into tighter tighter corners, and Nimoy responds by, of course, his incredible incredibly ill-advised attempt to frame the murders on someone. I mean, oh, boy. oh my God. Is, I, 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 yeah. listened to the, I listened to the, uh, I, I listened to, uh, the episode you did with, uh, uh, with Noel Murray and Donna Bowman, the one about the, the TV show thing. Yes. And you mentioned how one of the classic mistakes for, for criminals in the show is coming up with alternate plans. Here's how I think it might have happened. Yeah. is just so... It, like he's so arrogant throughout. Yes. Like, it's such a classic example of dude. If you just beaten her over the head with a crowbar and stole her purse, and leave it there. Leave it there. You're fine. Would have been fine. But then, then he breaks into her apartment because that's what junkies always do. Taping up <laughs> bottles of drugs in her in her bathroom he sink. He tries to find a patsy, Ugh. and he works. Oh my god! It's like it, it's it's the most. If he'd worked that hard on the yeah. on the scientific experiment as he worked on setting up the, yes. the alibi, yeah. Let's uh let's swing into the apartment because that apartment is glorious. <laughs> well, which part that is glorious? That apartment is the most the uh, the murdered woman's apartment, the right. most nineteen seventies apartment I've ever seen in my life. See, to me, it seems like it it, w- it, it could have been it could have been uh, um, uh, what's her head's apartment from um, uh, suitable for framing. Uh, could have been uh, the apartment listing in Warren's apartment. It looks like this kind of generic to me. Oh, um, yeah, I can't remember her name. I always think I think Lee Merriweather first because of the Catwoman thing, and then I just blank out. <laughs> right? Ju- Julie Newmar. Julie yeah. Newmar's apartment um, in for Framing. It was such a very seventies apartment from the carpet to the the upholstery, and then they walk into that bathroom. Which has got this enormously insane green and yellow floral pattern wallpaper mm-hmm. that just looks like a looks like an LSD nightmare. It looks like it was run through Dream Deeply, uh, the Google Dreaming computer, right. and as if to offset just how that <clears throat> enormously in-your-face floral wallpaper, they had the exact same flowers in a vase on the bathroom counter. Oh, I didn't <laughs> notice that. <laughs> See now the thing that to it's me it's well worth looking at. It was, it was engaging. See now the thing to me that made it super seventies was the roommate just spouting a nineteen seventies est Scientology terminology <laughs> oh. nonstop. That oh, was such a fun line. weird. Yes. Oh, what, what, what's that? 
about um, clear directed uh, versus she always wanted wishes. to be a nurse but i it was something about uh but i selfishly like to be around middle to upper middle class people yes yeah 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 <laughs> yeah and francis was more inner oriented but she was other oriented yes yes oh yes. my god that full sequence oh. <laughs> And it's just the way, and the way uh, Falk Need plays to tell that. Me. I have a major crush. The the way Falk plays that scene too. They, it's like, oh, you know what I mean, right? He's like, I know, yeah. I know what you mean. Whatever, okay, <laughs> just get to the stuff. Oh, I, love, I love the bit where she gives him, oh. she gives him, she gives him the name for like the Harry Alexander that they just came up with with Nimoy. Yeah, and and, and, and Columbo's like, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll write that down. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> like, he could not be less interested. Right. Because he knows that's not the... Oh, oh and uh, Harry Alexander, another uh, Columbo poor bastard. Um, oh, and God. and if I, I... I Seeing this a second time, I didn't realize that uh, once he has his bad drug trip that is induced by Leonard Nimoy, falls down the stairs... It's kind of ambiguous as to whether or not he's dead, and he's never brought up again. Like, Columbo never finds out right. that Nimoy did that to him, which I thought was really strange. Yeah, you know, it's, just, it's such a gentle dead. roll yeah. down the stairs. Yeah. yeah, so I think maybe he's not dead, yeah. but he could be? I don't know. No, I, I, think, I think he's definitely OD'd, because one of the charming things about this episode is how Nimoy's character manages to kill two people but never gets around yes. to murdering the person he meant to murder. Yes! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, and Will Gear. Will Gear is great in this. And actually Isn't he? Ends up, he oh, he's wonderful. To save the person he tried to murder at the beginning. That he right, the yes. Music. That has absolutely never happened or ever happened again in a no. combo. So to that's try, terrific. Because the murderer would take so long he has to desperately try to undo his murder. <laughs> Oh, that is so great. He has to do the callback. Yeah, he has to kill a few more people. If he did kill a couple other people, there'd be no case. See, he's yeah. not a very good murderer at all. <laughs> One of lady, the other things yeah. that happens in the, uh, in the apartment is uh, when Nimoy is running through there trashing it, theoretically making it look like a junkie was looking for heroin in the apartment. Yes. Uh, we, my wife and I noticed that he really pointedly avoids overturning the flour and sugar canisters on the kitchen counter, which are the, uh, historically, the number one place you hide things in no, a television No, 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 John. Uh, what you hi hide in the flour canister are the uh, octagonal bottles of makeup. That's what you hide <laughs> in those. But I swear, like, I don't know that I've ever seen... Uh, a similar scene in a television show where they're trying to find something that's hidden in right. a kitchen and they don't go straight to the flower canister or go there last. Cause that's always where it is. But he did at least flip over the couch cushions. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's where I hide all my valuables. Couch cushions. <laughs> Definitely. I put my drugs usually uh, underneath plates up in the uh, cabinet. That's a good place to put them. <laughs> Very good place. Because uh, we got a lot of junkies in Philadelphia who will climb into your house just looking for things. <laughs> it would help if I locked my doors, but I just don't believe yeah. in that because I grew up in the Midwest. So I'm not Hopefully doing it wherever I live. Please. Small town ethos. I'm, just, I'm shocked he wasn't doing stuff like turning over an ashtray really gently or just opening magazines. <laughs> it, was a fairly, it was a fairly gentle <laughs> rampage through the apartment. Well, he had time. I figured he had time. Sure. He's, he's definitely falls into the category of Columbo murders who is 
far more arrogant about his abilities than his actual abilities would merit that arrogance. Oh, Probably. definitely, definitely. Yeah. And, and as it turns out, apparently with the with with the medical stuff, so the research is for it's for heart transplants, right? And he's a, yeah. he's so frustrated because the elderly man who has a life-threatening heart condition is willing to wait a year or so to release things to the public and do more research. That guy is okay with waiting a year or so, <laughs> who's at death's door. But Nimoy's character is like, oh, we got to do it now, which seems just ridiculous. It's interesting. I you uh, way back at the start of the podcast, you asked me what it was like to watch. Nimoy. Oh, like uh, three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just I know if I was listening, I'd be like, are they ever going to answer that? Um, but this ties <laughs> into that. Um, I've actually have you seen the the Kaufman Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake? Yes. Um, oh, yeah, yes, Nimoy. yes. And that that to me is kind of what I went into this because that was the last time I've seen Nimoy play like a villain. Oh, and there was something very, I didn't think about that. Yeah, very very cold and kind of opaque about Nimoy as an actor. Like he can fake mm-hmm. warmth. He can fake. Up, which is why he was so good at Spock because yeah. that, it would like it would kind of bubble to the surface. Whereas in this one, it's one of those fascinating episodes where I don't ever. I love Leonard Nimoy. At no point in this was like, oh, I hope he gets away. At no, no, point was like, no, at not no at all. Did I sympathize with him. I don't even think I understood him. Like I don't like. It's right. like a fascinating. It's like almost like they just decided to give up on ever providing him with any sort of justifying backstory. Yeah, there no, he's no, just a just like flat out asshole. Yeah, and there's like like you were just saying like the. The reason he even instigates the first kill is so cursory, almost. Yeah. Like, we have no idea why he's under this pressure. They could have even introduced some sort of, like, oh, he's got financial uh, improprieties up the wazoo and he needs the money he'd get from this or however medicine works. I don't know. Um, <laughs> or, or like, like, he's desperate to prove himself. But no, it's just like he's this cold, calculating machine that goes, oh, well, this man is blocking my way. Oh, well, he has this thing going on today, so I guess I'll murder him. Yes. Oh, she seems to suspect me. I guess I'll murder her, too. Oh, yeah. Here's, like, it, it's this... It, it's a very... Ah, yeah, because usually the show does a good job of at least not not necessarily making the killers likable, but making them well-rounded humans. Oh, there's a re- case, like you understand. They're okay. I don't yeah. agree with them, but there's a okay. reason okay. they did this, right? Yeah. Um, I this, mean, it usually helps because you start with the killer because for Ryle, they are the protagonist of the story for the first like half hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I just feel mm-hmm. like in this case, while I was interested in Nimoy, I never found him boring, and I don't think I would wouldn't ding it, put it as a ding against the episode. I never found him like, I'm even yeah. It's not even that they're likable. It's more like there's the they're just. I just never really felt like he was <laughs> a human being. I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, no, but, that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, you're no, you're making your point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. The he's he's like preternaturally calm in this. Yeah, like he doesn't even seem that that upset. Like at the very end, like when Columbo finally figures it out, he's like, oh, huh, and then we end. It's like. Well, the, and, and that the, the most emotion that I think Nimoy shows Nimoy's character shows at any point in this is when he finds Columbo helping himself to the buffet at his party. Yes, just after just after he does the weird kind of sleazy uh, to that woman, like "Hi, Lucille," and then sees Columbo, and then yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it is that snide line about "Help yourself." That that minor invasion of Columbo into his world was like the one time that you saw him get visibly anything because he was fairly relaxed at the party before that he was schmoozy you even saw him smile which i'm pretty sure he he barely did at all for the rest of the episode right though actually i did notice um what is it the the second oh when he pulls the uh uh drugs out uh Mm -hmm. to kill harry 
Not Anderson. Harry. An- what, Harry Anderson. Go Harry Anderson. Yeah, let's call him Harry Anderson. <laughs> Kill Harry Canadian Anderson. Canadian and magic expert. Alexander. <laughs> Harry Alexander. Um, right. Uh, there's this weird close-up on Nimoy, and they have him do the Spock one eyebrow thing. Like, he's, like, kind of looking after yeah. Columbo. And it's very... they. It has to be for that. It's like, oh, well, we know Leonard Nimoy can do that. But it's, like, the, the very... It's, like, the interesting captain, like, Nimoy-Spock eyebrow yeah. thing, which I thought was odd. That they I, was that never, I was never a Mission Impossible guy, and I wonder if he did that on Mission Impossible a lot. I don't know. I can't... I haven't seen his stuff Mission Impossible in ages. Um, yeah. Oh, and, and uh, also... Um, Martin Lando, longtime Mission Impossible co-star of his, mm-hmm. from the last uh, which reminded me. Ago. I I was thinking we didn't mention this uh, last episode when we were talking or two episodes ago when we were talking about Double Shock, but uh, uh, Nimoy's character on uh, on Mission Impossible, his name was Paris, wasn't it? I yo, uh, let me look that up. Might have been. Let me see. Because <laughs> we're that would be an interesting like. Uh, s- similarity or singularity. And also, that just made me think, too, uh, about uh, folks who would have been good murderers and whatnot. Peter mm-hmm. Graves would have been interesting on in an episode. Yes, it was. His name was Paris. Right. Oh, and Leslie Ann Warren was interesting. on there. Interesting. We're getting... Leslie Ann Warren was on there, too. Holy crap, there's a whole bunch of... La- I wonder... Man, there's some kind of Venn diagram for uh, Columbo and Mission Impossible and Cassavetes films. Which is strange. All right, we'll get working on it. Yeah, yeah, we'll get that up on the website uh, tomorrow. Pfft. Right. <laughs> not going to happen. Um, but yeah, yeah, Peter Graves would not have been someone bad on a Columbo episode, maybe. I think as a killer, it would have been interesting. Yeah, I think uh, very patrician. I could see that. Yes, He's, yes, yeah. definitely. That kind of part. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I could see him doing, you know, there's there were some trends that were pretty consistent on Columbo for, for storylines. And there were uh, TV show hosts, book authors, usually mystery authors, and military men. Right. And I could I could see him in at least those last two, and maybe even uh, a military guy. Like, oh, a military guy I could see that. Yes. Yeah. Or or is this some oh, sort but, of politician? Uh, Sorry. I think I distracted everything by talking about uh, uh, Nimoy on Mission Impossible. But the reason I was doing that was because I was reading Leonard Nimoy's reminiscences reminiscences about being on this episode. Oh really? Oh, cool. And he was very he was very reluctant about appearing on Columbo because he didn't want to become a killer of the week guest star. Oh, he avoided that though. He did. He did that. I think very well. He did become just Spock for the most part. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Right, that's one uh, way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but and uh, the yeah, film he was very concerned about it. But he, one of the best things was he was talking about how much he enjoyed working with Falk. And the adjective he chose to describe Peter Falk was that he was a delicious actor. Oh, okay. I can see that gives him a lot to you know a lot to work with. And as an actor, he has a, a like it, it's like enjoying a fine meal, right? Yeah, and, and they not had that he's a tasty. And and they had some great scenes in this too. Like there's some nice they really play back and forth. Yeah. Oh, I love that last scene in his off. Like not the last scene, the, the scene where Columbo gets mad. Oh like, my god, um, that's one of the best Columbo yeah. scenes. And he's just like, like, like yeah. Nemo. It's like the most emotion that both either of them show. Yes. Uh, and well, they actually, you know, there, there is something interesting about Falk because both of them. All right. So we say Nemo has throughout the show this sort of veneer of like this very calm surface. He's always very collected. Falk as Columbo, he's much warmer. But I always feel like with Columbo, there is that certain edge because it is a performance. It's like, um, 
that uh, the oh, big Quentin Tarantino speech in uh, Kill Bill 2 about Superman, Clark Kent being Superman's performance of what he thinks humanity is. Mm. Uh, Col- Columbo is kind of, sorry, I'm getting... No, no, that's but, fine. Please uh, do. Colum- Columbo's, Columbo is kind of, it's not that condescending, but Col- the Columbo we see for most of the, most of the show, uh, or especially when he's talking to the killer, um, is not necessarily the actual Columbo because he's pretending like he does. Oh, this is just this thing. I don't know what is this thing. It could be a thing. I well, think it's a thing. well we, we've talked about that in the show before too. About like how much is he just completely lying about everything? Lying about his personal life. Lying yeah. about nephews. Yeah. Lying about his wife being into <laughs> stuff. Everything like that. So yeah, no, there's like this weird veneer. And yeah, to see it just kind of break through like that, him just get frustrated mm-hmm. and angry. Well, my question is how? Because I think. <clears throat> I think the reason he gets mad, or at least he even either he lets himself get mad or he acts like he's mad, is because he's trying to goad Nimoy into taking that next step of because he's prepared instantly as soon as the surgery starts happening. Like he knows that's going to happen, and I feel like that that moment mm-hmm. is is less about him being legitimately frustrated by the case and more him being, all right, you know, this is this is my next play. I'm, I've I've done the whole befuddled thing. I've done the whole nagging thing. Right now, I'm just going to try and go for a big push. Oh, so it's uh, kind of desperate there. Well, I wouldn't Maybe. say desperate. I would say it's more of a tactical. I mean, at that point. Yeah, actually, I don't know if it's desperate. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because but I think, like, oh, sorry. Uh, I was actually on that. Oh, <laughs> we all have such good ideas. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, along those lines, uh, Barry Levinson actually has uh, a bit where he talks about uh, the rules around Columbo getting angry. Wait, Barry and Levinson It has does? to be rare. They they absolutely. What's that? Sorry, Barry Levinson. Yeah. No wait. That's not right. The director. Or you mean oh William, oh, oh, William, William Levinson. Levinson? Yeah yeah yeah. Because they're like oh did Barry Levinson do a Columbo? Richard I Richard see that. Levinson. Oh okay. There got it. Go. All right. Whew. I got so fired up. Uh, Richard <laughs> Levinson has a bit about why. Don Amici was also in this episode. <laughs> Motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, uh, hope you, hope everybody listened to the. Uh, after the stinger at the end of two episodes ago. Anyway, uh, but Richard Levinson has a bit about the rules around Columbo getting angry. And one of the, the first rules is it can't happen that often. Yeah. Because yeah. That, that has to be a resort that he pulls. That has to be a rarity. And he can't be an angry cop because of everything else he has to do in order to solve these murders. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, I don't know if that helped anybody, but there it is. No, no, no. That, that's interesting. Cause I, I, also, I mean, the whole thing, too, about that whole scene where he, he goads him into uh, cracking open the old guy's chest again. Um, early in the episode, mm-hmm. it's a stat, It's well established. Yeah, he's he's yeah. in comfortable hospitals, cancer hospitals. He's in the operating theater uh, with that one doctor. He can't bring himself to look down. Like, for Columbo, it's nudity, right. heights, and uh, surgery he cannot look at. And <laughs> right. it's very Which, well way, established. Fun He's, scene, very fun. Yes. Uh, but it, it's such a powerful, interesting thing. So when Nimoy is doing the surgery at the end, they cut up to Columbo, and he's just riveted and staring yeah. at it. He's yeah, forcing really himself to mm-hmm. stare at every single detail of this guy being his chest being ripped open because he has to for that, See, which just makes me, that, it that much fortune. more interesting. Sorry, I mean, I just wanted to, yeah, to me, that that is almost more convincing of anger than the sort of melodramatic outburst in the office. You know what, to you're me, right. The, yeah. That, to me, yeah. is like the true heart, like, I, I don't want to say he's not this heart full of rage, but there is this very determined 
center to Columbo. Yes. And I like that idea of him just being, yeah, you know what? I, I'm just going to patiently dawdle. But when it comes down to it, I will be there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. That, that, it, it was such, it's such a great moment with like cuts to him. Anybody looks up and his face is just right there at the glass, just staring. Yeah. yeah Making sure he's yeah, not pulling something. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. We've got their previous episodes are actually episodes around this where you get a view into how Columbo actually feels about murder. And, you know, we all uh, sort of abstractly dislike murder. Right. But he feels it on a very emotional level that he doesn't always reveal. Uh, I'm thinking about the John Cassavetes episode in particular where he has the monologue about the, the shame of a young, uh, how, what a shame it is for a young woman yeah. with all this potential to, to right. die and suicide and murder or, have these different values. Yeah, murder so, something, um, suicide is sadder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think that that's right. That he's he is using an anger that he doesn't reveal to motivate himself to do uh, extraordinary actions that are outside of his comfort zone. So when you do see him doing something like that, that is him just being powered by that distaste for this act. Yeah, and, and well, it's. it's Sorry. I, well, it's just that idea of the, the moral universe is that it's not it's not even so much as it's a crime. It's like this fundamental un, you know, unbalancing that he just has to fix um, that just. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, like it's almost more it's like beyond him just being a cop. It's like almost this 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 basic need of like, no, this is this is tilted. It's like somebody goes into a hotel room and there's a tilted picture and always has to correct it. Only he has to do that for, you know, people's lives. Right. In a much more passionate. Like, I don't know. It's just really I nice. there's um. And this is kind of tangentially corrected, but they, I, they, one of the, they had the, one of the, the classic moments that happens in a lot of Columbo's where the killer says, I'm going to have to call your superiors. And I was uh, watching this, I was watching yeah. this as a friend of mine, and he was like, um, yeah, you think how that call goes down? Because Columbo must have, like, what, 100% clearance rate? Yes! And he, right. <laughs> and he would call their superiors, oh, oh, yeah, we'll get right on that, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but the weird thing about this one, though, too, is at the end, it, it, gets close it gets down to the wire like you yeah. think it's not gonna right go the right way and it almost doesn't he doesn't realize it until after he's told the doctor hey you got me doc whatever and he leaves and you think like oh that's it and he shakes his hand and, and then <laughs> good yes game. yes game. like good game good game <laughs> and you think like oh well like what did he actually beat him and yeah he doesn't realize till he's left his office like oh you put it in my pocket like, that is such a... It's a great, weird ending, because it's like he doesn't have it worked out entirely how the heck it happened. Yeah. Or how, at the, the very end, he was able to conceal it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a very suspenseful. This is, uh, this is one of the reasons that it's kind of a shame that, that the writer of this episode, Cheryl Hendricks, only did one. Uh, but as I look at her IMDb chart, she basically wrote one episode of everything. Like, what else? What else did she do? Uh, Mannix, The Wild Wild West, Hawaii Five O. Uh, she wrote a few episodes of Combat. That's her only multitude there. Oh, okay. Uh, Bonanza, uh, Adventures of Robin Hood. Just all over the place. Canon, Barnaby Jones. Oh, wow. She did, San Francisco. She hit all of them back then. Like the, the 60s, 70s. Yeah. And, oh, wow. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and then just one, one for each. Weird. Huh. It is very odd. It did such a, a great job. There's a lot to really appreciate about this app. Was it, was it probably a pen name for Dorothy Parker <laughs> doing TV shows? Uh, she's probably dead. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, have, I have a question for you guys. You guys have seen more of these episodes. Than I. Have, 
have any of the killers ever actually gone after Columbo? Because watching this, I was kind of surprised that I wasn't like surprised because it didn't feel like it would fit with the episode. But it did seem like, well, Nimoy is going to kill everybody else, so why doesn't he go after there, this one cop who he's going at? There's a nineties one where they, this lady sort of almost dies, um, going after Mrs. Columbo, um, but going after him, I don't know. I, I haven't seen all the nineties like ones. So there, I, rule. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think they usually do. There, there yeah. are a couple, and I'm oh. blanking on them. Were they um, '90s ones? Is it like one of the the other Ed this, McBain one? I'm going to assume. I think there's like three '90s episodes where somebody tries to kill him, but I swear yeah. we've talked about a couple '70s ones that they put him in the line of fire, and we're going to get pilloried in the comments section by our listeners who are just going to beat us over the head with this one. But eh. I can't remember him. Ah, eh, they'll be fine. Say in our day jobs. Well, while we puzzle over that, <laughs> while we puzzle over that, uh, uh, one of the best scenes, one of my favorite scenes in this is the bit of business with the hard-boiled egg in the murder oh, scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, but the thing is, our, our last episode, we talked about um, the, uh, the beauty company one, um, where he shows up on the scene with the hard-boiled eggs. He hasn't had breakfast yet. So then to see this one, like, oh, my God, it's two in a right. row we're doing, where he's just... And then wants to... Like hit it on the murder <laughs> weapon. He broke it on the murder weapon. Like, oh my god! Basic that, attempt that is insane. Like forensics. Like, yeah. Comes, and the guy's like, "Oh, there's no prints." Oh, All right. Well, then I'll, I'll crack my egg on this. Yeah. Good. No coffee. Oh no. Yes. Yeah. And he gets one of the one of the uh, officers in the scene to bring him some orange juice. But it's it's like a quarter bottle of orange juice. Where the hell do you find a quarter bottle of orange juice someplace? Someone had warm in the back seat of their uh, police cruiser. They got to the I'm, I'm assuming in a break room in the hospital, but probably. You know. Oh, even that it, it's full of germs. Sun- then. Good Lord. Sunny D lieutenant. Yes. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I, what I love about that is that he, you know, he's, he's prohibited from cracking it on the car and they don't want shell all over the place. Crack it on your own car. Yes. An egg, and your car's right there. You, you drove right up to the murder scene. Exactly. Egg, exactly, RJ. Oh, Jesus Christ! Well, that's it. This last episode, twenty-two <laughs> episodes. And just one more thing. Uh, if y'all listen to us on iTunes or the website, it's JOMT. Sorry, Good. that's how you got Sabotage rid of me. Twenty-one episodes I've never taken. Oh my God! Good Lord. Uh, I re- so really fond of that scene. Uh, were there any other scenes that stuck out? Um, pretty much. I want to go back to Will Gear. Um, he does a yeah. great job uh, when Columbo is in talking to him. I think like two or three scenes where he shows it just incredibly well on his face when he starts to turn around and starts to get worried and mm-hmm. concerned about what's inside of him. When he starts to kind of doubt yeah. Nimoy's uh, character. Like you can tell he's starting to get nervous and he does it so well with his face and his voice like, and Columbo's in the phone, like, oh, really? What? what? And he's like, well, what'd you find out? What, what, what do you mean? What's going on? It, it's done in such a great way. I love the way he plays that. I mean, he's, he's in a hospital bed for, like, about 90% of his scenes this episode. But he does a great job of switching from, oh, Nimoy's fine, to, oh, well, I don't know about this fellow now. He might have put a bum ticker there's in a, me. Yeah. There's a great parody in that, too. Parody in that, that... Uh, I think there's three different scenes with Columbo and uh, Dr. Grandpa Walton. 
<laughs> and each one of them is interrupted by Nimoy bursting through the door. Yes. Yeah. In each time, he's more annoyed than the last time. Yeah. So as, as Dr. Grandpa Walton is slowly learning that he's got a bum ticker now, thanks to Nimoy. Right. Nimoy is also getting louder. It's just reinforcing everything Columbus saying. Yes. So that's a good play on Columbus part. Yeah. Yeah. Just making it yeah worse and worse and worse. And Nimoy, uh, Nimoy's character, when he wants to finally uh, replace the, uh, the bad threads he got in the guy, it's like, oh, I'll just uh, spike his medicine. Mm-hmm. He gets like the perfect thing where... Oh, there's the big tray of medicines for everybody. <laughs> and everyone just clears out for time. Right. It, it's like uh, what was just this weekend we saw the uh, uh, the um, uh, Tom Cruise film, that uh, live, die, repeat thing, Edge Tomorrow, where, you know, after he's gone through situations three or four times, like, okay, just wait three seconds, that guy will step out of the way. That's what it felt like. Like someone who would, like, live this Groundhog Day thing where you just wait... Okay, yeah. that person's going go in that closet. That person's going in the elevator. Uh, but he had that right there. No problem. The nurse That's is all cleared out. Robin the Brinks Bank. He had yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. He had plenty yeah. of time to do like uh, dump uh, the getting you sick medicine in there instead, which I thought was a really <laughs> odd, lucky break for that jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, he was interrupted at the last second by. The the highly accusatory nurses at this hospital, yes. none of whom, one of whom like at all, one of whom is like, who is that? It's like that's Helen Crump from the Andy Griffith Show. But there was also that nurse, the that second, was in, that was that's in the, the second in, nurse in the older the older doctor's like a possible bed when Columbo went to visit. Who was just like he was just like horrible to her, like like oh yeah, the scent of the cigar is the only night, the only human smell I felt. But no, yeah, that that's her. That's uh, like Andy Griffith's uh, Andy Griffith's uh, wife from the Andy Griffith Show. Not like hospital doctors make the worst patients. I, yes, exactly. Yeah. Was, was there was a there was a scene where um, Anne Francis, uh, Nurse Sharon Martin, was incre- basically started off suspicious about Nimoy, and for some reason, and my wife and I were talked about this, and we disagreed on whether or not this was worth getting suspicious about. Nimoy gives her the telegram to take to Doctor Grandpa Walton, and says, "This just arrived." Right. And then while Anne Francis is walking down the hall, she kind of looks at the envelope. Hmm. Hmm. Well, because he just lists the tip and just yeah, sort of half ass together. But then when yeah. she, she walks into the hallway and she meets Isaac, your bartender, and he says <laughs> that arrived like an hour ago. And then she just gets a major like, huh? Right. Well, that's not that suspicious. Is it like a, the, the telegram arrived? An hour ago, he said it just arrived. Well, That's John, 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 you're thinking about it in terms of our crazy whack-a-whirl world of emails and Twitters and things. Back then, a telegram was a sacred bond <laughs> that, was me meant, that was meant <laughs> to be delivered the second it arrived at your office. So to have someone tamper with that, well, that, that was a pretty big deal back then. So I think Grandpa RJ, is it true that you killed a bar when you was only five? <laughs> no, actually, it was a senator. <laughs> it, it was a senator. I don't know. I love the. I, I really like the idea of Daniel Boone being asked that question, and going, mm, no. "No, so I killed something, but it was not a bear. It, it turned out a bear. It turns out, at the I time, at the time, I thought it was, but uh, the inquest, no." Which is unfortunate. When uh, <laughs> moving, moving on, yeah. when uh, <laughs> they get to the when they get to the zoo, 
Uh, oh, that's right, the zoo. The, yes. only, the only thing that stood out for free pony rides. From, what was that? Free pony rides. Which free that's a, that's a raw deal for the ponies, but yeah, they don't get a cut of the gate. That sucks. Uh, I think the, the ponies ponies move on tips. I think. Um, <laughs> I hope so. There's a there's a, a soundtrack loop. Oh, I didn't notice that. that. Oh, yeah. Because, itself. because yeah. I was so concentrated on uh, the Harry Alexander's Art Garfunkel-esque hair. But yes. <laughs> yes he, was, he was definitely focused. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out what the, what the loop said. So if any of our listeners figured out what the loop is saying. Uh, but it repeated like five times before Columbo and, uh, and Harry Alexander started talking. Oh, so there are actually weird lyrics there? or people talking and speaking or what? Like background. It sounded folks? like a voiceover. It sounded like somebody yelling something like "Hey, Bobby!" or something, and then you just heard some "Rada, rada, rada," and then "Hey, Bobby!" It was probably "Hey, Bobby." It's probably "Hey, Bobby." The old, no, it's the old "Hey, Bobby." <laughs> it's the old "Hey, Bobby." That's like the um, the. Uh, I think it was a guy in the back yes. going. It was a guy in the back going heroin. What if it's like a ghost trapped in the episode? Like for those five. Oh, years. it could be. Oh. It's a night. It's a ghost. It's, it's I'm the, the only guy who saw it. It's the ghostly <laughs> voice of the night Goliath. Night Goliaths. Yes. This whole episode's full of night, night Goliaths. Goliath. Oh boy! And Harry Alexander's apartment complex. That's not a very good neighborly apartment complex. Because because yeah. you can have a guy stand out on the balcony, which is visible to every single apartment <laughs> in the complex, right. and bust in your window, reach in slowly. Unlock your door, oh, it takes go you. in, and just go in there. Nobody's like, oh, yeah, and maybe it's... If, like, literally anyone had seen him and mentioned that, anyone, not even if they'd been able to describe him, if anybody had been able to see somebody going into his apartment before he came home yes. and the cops showed up, that would have destroyed Nimoy's entire play. Right, yeah, because it would have been a nice, easily yeah. thing, like, well, who, who would be the person who'd be most likely to go in and has <laughs> access to drugs? I would want to make this guy look like he had drugs. Hmm. I don't know. To his credit, Nimoy, Nimoy did look to his left before he broke open the window. Oh, that's so true. I'm okay. sure the coast was clear. And he used the classic chloroform and oh. a handkerchief, which is always fun. That actually reminded me how sad that murder was because oh. you don't get a good glimpse at it. But as oh, Nimoy photo. doses him and then... Yes. The photo, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. her photo is there. He's still, like, they broke up. She broke up with Francis. him. Yes, it was. Yeah, I think it was. was it, it was. It? Yes, it was Anne Francis. I thought she had brown hair. Okay. No, that was her. That was a photo of her. So she broke up with six him months six ago? months earlier. Yeah, yeah. And he still had a photo of her in his living room to look so at sad. every day. And then, yeah. Oh, God. So that's good dressing right there. That's good set dressing. Well uh, done, whoever put that together. Oh, I was at Anne Francis. Uh, yeah, she was in this episode. She's also in the Roddy McDowell episode. She was so oh, yeah. much better in this episode. It's got to be the directing. Yeah. It's, it has to be the directing because she was like 150% better in this episode than she was in maybe two given minutes of that thing. She was so goodness. She was so much better in this one. I wish she had been, I wish she had been in a bit longer and not murdered with a tire iron in a parking garage. <laughs> <laughs> so soon. Could we? Could you think we could have brought her back as a murderer? Um, Do you think she's got murder in her? Maybe. 
she looked pretty she looked she had that definite like angry like oh oh i'm i'm thinking because mm. she was like 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 there was there was some thinking going on so i could have bought that i could have yeah. bought her as like a sure uh, why I think, not uh, if she had been pushed into desperate circumstances i could see her as a murderer yeah if, if she was a passion killer like zach here she could definitely <laughs> for yeah. sure for sure <laughs> definitely was i the only one who appreciated nita talbot uh nita talbot's performance in this by the way the roommate correct yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, Nita, no, Nita no, 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 she was good. She was good. I swear to God, I've seen on a thousand sitcoms. What else has she been, yes. like, what has she done? She's very I'm, familiar. Hold on. I I she's, she I is much like, like, she's, she's much seen. like the writer of this episode. She's been on one of everything. She was on The Love Boat. She was on Love American Style. Uh, just one of basically every 70s sitcom ever. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, like, oh. She also has done a lot of voices. The Spider-Man ca- uh, cartoon series. Mm-hmm. She was. I love. I, I like the how Lizard she was King. Able to add um, a oh, wait, certain no. sort of. I don't want to say complexity to that character, but she made she managed to find some depth in what could have been just a kind of a, a you know dim bulb, new agey. Yeah. Not, like right. She that, played it like, well. When she was walking yeah. with Nimoy. You could like see some actual hunger in her eyes. Like, oh, it's a doctor. And then when she was like talking, right. Like, like there was this look in her face of like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm just talking this. Maybe this is bullshit, but I'm gonna keep talking it. We'll see where it goes. Like I yeah, and like, and she <laughs> wanted she wanted to come back to her place, and he's like, nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, <laughs> all right. Yeah, the whole the whole go. bit about the the whole bit about the hiccuping and the cure for hiccups. Yes. Or for sneezes or whatever that was, which was just filling time. But I thought that was a nice play between the two of them. Oh yeah, especially for Columbo. Yes. And I. I like how she was making eyes for most of the conversation and then just shut it down as soon as he started asking anything relating to a personal question. Right. And John, why would she have been making eyes at Columbo? Oh, I've heard no, this theory. Not because theory. he was a, not because he's a sexy dad. Again, the sexy dad <laughs> is something Columbo actively does okay. in order to charm women in an, a with an avuncular, affectionate approach. Avuncular, yes. And he wasn't doing it here. He was he was actually Kind of, he seemed kind of uh, patronizing to her a little bit. Yeah, because every it's time like she, right. every yes. third thing she suggested, he'd go, "Yeah, it's okay." Yeah, no, it's yeah, that, that's that great light letter. He liked the drinking letter on where, where Nimoy was like, uh, "Well, she may know more than she lets on." She goes, "No, I think I think she knows less than she lets." <laughs> on. Yes, I remember. Right. Yes, yeah. that's great. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a good line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking her up actually. Uh, her her big break in 1979 would have been. Uh, looks like she was a regular on Super Trained, but that didn't turn out well. Poor right. Super Trained. <laughs> oh, that show. That'll be our next podcast. It'll be nice and short. Actually, that wouldn't be a bad idea. A six episode podcast about Super Trained. Hmm. When you say it's not a bad idea, <laughs> yeah. are you? Are you employing lots of sarcasm? That'll be our Christmas. Our Christmas episode will be. Uh, we'll just discuss Super Train. <laughs> An episode of Super Train. When, when did Super Train debut? We'll do it on the anniversary. Uh, it was uh, 79, 1979. That's that season. NBC right. was. NBC had high hopes that season, and then uh, around the... in four years. Okay, we'll do a Super in four Train years, thing. We'll do the anniversary Super Train podcast. Yeah, did uh, did Mrs. Columbo and Super Train were they running around at the same time? Because that would be Fred Silverman. That was a uh, not a good uh, not a good run not for a that great network. Era. Not a good run for that network. Uh, and by the way, yes, Mrs. Columbo would have come out in 1979. Oh my God, NBC! 
Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I feel I, I, I feel bad for NBC now in 1979. Good Lord. I wonder, you know what? That would be an interesting thing to look at. Like, uh, what was, what TV network had the worst season? Like, in the last 40 years or so. Like, which, which, which network coming out of the gate in fall, having all these great ideas? Like, this is it. We're going to get these people. We've, we've spent all this money on all these shows. We've got this wonderful lineup. And which one, which network had, like, a, like an entire season just completely collapsed like in two months? Really. Really tight competition. Like yeah, that. no. Yeah, it would 70, be... 79, 79, 80 NBC is like infamous. Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, but, but I you mean, know, my my wife and I. One of the things we do when we're a little bored, is, like on a, a Friday night or whatever, is we will pop on YouTube, and you can find the old lineup specials they used. Oh to be yes, oh, I love seeing those. I love seeing those. They are they are brilliant, and we just watched one for CBS that I that was sometime in the seventies. I think seventy seven, maybe I don't know, but. It it was terrible. And shows you've never no heard of. Talk about. Shows you've never heard of in your life. Yeah. and people worked on these Beard things. Had a show. Uh, what? Wait, there was a Beard show based on that. A show. You're kidding me. Yeah. In this mid seventies, why would they? Thirty years later, why would they do that? That's crazy. It's. I don't know, but it was one of the shows they mentioned. It was the first I'd ever heard of it. I think it's like, how would you measure that comparing like a modern age? back to them because now a show can premiere and go bad like two weeks and they'll yank it like right away just right. because nobody's talking about it on the internet uh didn't get good downloads didn't get the viewership so like it's a weird thing like how would you even kind of register like oh well the 78th season for cbs was comparable to like the 2011 season for nbc this way like, it seems like it would almost be difficult mm-hmm. to do it like that. I don't know. Anyway. There we go. Free article idea for there for the AV Club. Because people would love to read about what were some terrible TV shows you've never heard of from 1977. So there you oh, go. Oh, I would, I would love... I'd, I'd love actually, actually, the more I think about it, yes, I would like to know about that. Just to get, like, the weird details. Because you think about people... We actually had an article work on, on these Super things. Train a while back. On, yeah, I did. Uh, yes, yeah, I saw that. Fantastic. Yes. Oh my god. Hey, the, the, the guy, the guy who created the, uh, who did the Parker novels, he was one of the co-creators of that show, which astounded me. Not Westlake. Wow. No, yeah, it is Westlake. Yeah, Donald yeah, Westlake. Yeah, Westlake. Yeah, Westlake. Yeah, writing yeah. his um. Stark. A Stark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one of the co-creators of Super Train, which when I found that out a few years ago, I was like, no, can't be the same. Nope, same guy. He had all that great Parker, just pulpy stuff in him, but then he also had a giant atomic-powered train that would go across the country and cost NBC millions of dollars. How could that well. fail? How could I that know fail? how. It's Love Boat. Loves trains. It's Love Boat, but it's on a train. Instead of seeing the ocean and tropical locales, uh, you see uh, deserts and mountains, kind of just outside the windows whizzing by quick. It's like a TV adaptation of Snowpiercer before the movie was made. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> good lord! You're getting, you're getting the audience ahead of time. You're getting in early. <laughs> All right. So the Columbo episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last 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 show that went up. Uh, we digressed to Orson Welles. This one we digressed to Super Train in the 1979 NBC failed season. So there you go, folks. Um, oh, but yeah, I, I, ta- I think about, uh, wrote down some, like, the Columbo, 
just ongoing themes in this one. Uh, going to Leonard Nimoy's party, uh, a great thing where you've got the Columbo's always crashing a fancy party, eating the food, and ending up eating it on some patio outside under a uh, umbrella. That happens a lot in Columbus mm. episodes, and it definitely happens in this one, to the point where he makes himself sick eating so much. Yeah, the uh, the scene where that uh, where Nimoy prescribes the antacids for him. Where all of a sudden they actually seem to be getting along. Yes, I. Yeah. That's why it's like I and don't Nimoy know if Columbo's seems pleased. I don't know if Columbo's faking it to do that or not. Right. Yeah, seems like it could be. Just was, that was a of... little confusing because I don't think there was a payoff to that. <clears throat> no. Well, no, because the, the end of the scene is him calling up the roommate to try and set up a patsy. Um, so, I mean, that'd be the only build to the scene is that is Nimoy thinking, okay, now I need, because he figured out, because the the Mac thing, I think he learns about the, right. Nimoy learns about okay. the letter, the, the Mac that note. Scene. Yes. Um, and then mm. the stomach thing. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a constant, there's a pretty much like, like Columbo being very sort of physically I, vulnerable seems like an overly, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that's a little too far, but he does, he's, well, it's another one of his tricks of constantly making himself look smaller and making yes. himself look less less dangerous like oh god i just came into this fancy party and now my stomach hurts yeah uh, the underestimation thing so yeah it doesn't take him yeah, seriously but there isn't, you're yeah. right there isn't there isn't any in that room there's no i'm trying to remember is there anything he says in that room when they get the medication before he leaves and 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 Nimoy picks up the phone is there any like anything i don't in think there? so no i don't think so they just no. go to the room sicily for the uh yeah prescription columba leaves and yeah, Nimoy calls calls the uh, roommate to set up the thing to try to push her into trying to throw Columbo off the trail, pretty much. No, <laughs> yeah. No, go ahead. No, no. I was actually I had known about that, that party too. Uh, there's a really great shot uh, where you're going around the party, and the camera swings around. And it's all one shot. Goes off the balcony to Columbo's car driving up. Along the way, mm. which kind of reminded me that the, the opening scene from the uh, Spielberg episode, the very first one, where it's like you've got the scene happening and then it just kind of goes into some car far off. Which is the staging to me seemed like, oh, that was actually a nice uh, bit of work there. Hi, Averback. Mm-hmm. Way to go. What uh, what what nationality was that uh, made or uh, serving wench, whatever she was supposed to be? The, the woman with the hors d'oeuvres at the party. Oh, she's trying to have an accent, right? Yeah, she's working bit. real hard at that accent. I think she was trying for Swedish. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe. It was about as uh, convincing as Swedish as the throw mama from the train lady. <laughs> in the in the, uh, in the uh, uh, beauty company episode, yeah, it wasn't very good. Yeah. No, it was. Uh, they, uh, why they keep going back to Swedish? Anyone's guess. Um, I, I, how would you guys rate? So Harry Alexander, he's thrown into a uh, drug overdose, a drug scene by um, Nimoy. Uh, th- this is a thing that usually came up in movies, the 60s and 70s and TV shows, 60s and 70s, where they try to visually show what it's like to be on the drugs. Yeah. Uh, how, did, how did you guys think this sort of stacked up like compared to things like that? It wasn't, it was sort of like, I'm like, I, I appreciate they made the effort. I yes. appreciate that they tried, <laughs> yeah. and there was a color filter, but it was very much like, yep, let's just slap on some kaleidoscope crap, and let's call it a gay. Right, yeah, it, it was like, like it's, it's, some, like yeah. A, yeah, some like crazy rock concerts in San Francisco in the 60s, like the same stuff they would project 
and back of the stage with a, <laughs> with a wax on a like an overhead projector. It seemed like they had a, it was that kind of treatment of it. Think about how unpopular drugs would be if that's really what they were like. Oh, I know. It would be crazy. No one would do as... All cocaine does is it makes you see a kaleidoscope. Is, I don't buy a kaleidoscope. I've never done a horse, so I can't say. But uh, if it was like that, that, that would keep me off of it. For sure. Definitely. <laughs> if it looked like that. If it looked like going to a Jefferson Airplane show in 65, I wouldn't go to that at all. For sure. Well, I was just curious, too, what Nimoy's, what Nimoy's intention was there. Like, because, he, I mean, was he... I don't know if he was trying to give like to have him OD. Did he just not calculate the amount of drugs necessary to like kill him to to knock him unconscious and keep him unconscious? Because like, yeah, because yeah, he came like, too. Yeah, like is a doctor you think? I think he, he underestimated how much heroin that guy had done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, he had yeah. he has a buildup, he had a tolerance. So yeah. <clears throat> so his body's like, what? Did it, chloroform? That's nothing. <laughs> we used to drink chloroform on Wednesdays. Please, that would be. Good. That'd be great if, like, he tried to chloroform and it didn't work, and so the guy just walks over to his fridge and shows him the fridge is full of chloroform. chloroform. <laughs> I use it instead of milk. <laughs> I have chloroform. Come on, I brush my teeth with that shit. Wait, what's that? That's a thing in uh, Ed Wood uh, where um, he asks um, uh, Lip, uh, Martin Landau, his middle of like, oh, what he's drinking? He's like, formaldehyde. It's like, oh, yeah. So, like, the booze has no effect pretty much because <laughs> he's just drinking that. <sighs> I uh, I do I do kind of wish that we had gotten some kind of crazy drug effect on the last episode we discussed, Lovely But Lethal, yes. which literally just had the camera blur and fall over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's probably closer to what the experience is like. Okay, now you I blur and fall over. <laughs> you know, you don't see uh, weird, crazy kaleidoscopes. It's like, hey, it's blurry, then you fall over. There you go. At least that's what it's like when I take aspirin. Yes. <laughs> Maybe I've got a problem. I don't know. I have. Uh, I know we're wrapping up here, but I have yes. a, a couple trivia pieces from IMDb. Okay. Uh, and one of them is is neat that uh, the operating room was the uh, was the same room used in Lovely but Lethal. Oh. All right, as the Beauty Mark Lab, so that was neat. Oh, weird. Uh, the second piece of trivia, I I just want a ruling. I don't think this counts as trivia. Uh, Peter uh, Falk was in this episode. <laughs> now, here it is. In the opening credits of this episode, and I'm quoting here, it sure looks like Burt Young is working as an extra. <laughs> oh, come on. That does not count as trivia. No, no. no. I'm not. No, it does not. It yeah. sure looks like he I'm is. I'm not the biggest fan of trivia. Sure looks like, I'm not the biggest fan of trivia. It's, you know, it's knowledge without context, but that doesn't even count. There's knowledge. a guy who looks like it might be him. I don't know. There you go. Put it in the. You may, as, you may as well add in like what you had for dinner while you were watching this episode. <laughs> all right. Uh, um. All right. So we'll go around uh, asking folks what they thought of this. Folks being uh, the three of us, I guess. Uh, so uh, Zach, you said uh, out of the uh, handful of episodes you've seen of Columbo, uh, this wasn't entirely your favorite. Um, ask you what you think of this one, and then also. Uh, what is your favorite so far? Oh, um, I liked. Actually, I did like this one. I always try and like kind of you know balance. I thought I thought this was a solid episode. I thought it had a certain novelty to it. Just the cert, just the <laughs> volume of kills, like I had me had me very entertained. <laughs> I was um, and I thought, yeah. thought Nima was a very ex, very interesting choice too. Um, 
I think I really like the Cassiavetti's one. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I just I like I like him and Falks back and forth a lot. I, mm-hmm. And like he was just I liked him a lot as the and I like I then the um, gosh. Yeah, I'll I'll go with that. I'll go with the Cassavetti ones as my favorite of the favorite of the ones I've seen so far, and I look forward to watching more. So yeah, that is the right answer. I'd, thank you. Titles. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, we don't have to delete the entire episode. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd say uh, was there a rating, is there a rating scale or something or just I liked it. If you want one, if you want one, you can have it. We don't have a formal one at all. Um, I would say it's. No, I, would I, say I it's just make one up every. Yeah, it's a. It was a. It was a solid Columbo. It was when I. I, I actually watched again before coming on the podcast because I wanted to just you know keep it fresh in my head and I enjoyed watching it the second time almost as much as I did the first time. So, uh, this one I thought, boy, I, I just uh, I've seen it like uh, two three times and yeah, just uh, always shocked at just how cold and awful Nimoy is in this and just <laughs> kind of wished he had done more things like this over the years. So. Yeah, no, I I enjoyed it a bit. It's not one of my favorites, but like you said, yeah, it's a really solid, good one. It it's got some odd stuff, some interesting things. I enjoyed. Uh, John, what did you think? Uh, really solid episode. Compelling performance by Nimoy. Uh, need to see Columbo get angry, and also mm-hmm. this was a really good gotcha at the ending. Yes. Mm. Uh, and I I really there's two things that that. I just adore about this. I do have a crush on Nita Talbot, so I enjoy seeing her in a <laughs> so show. So you said. Uh, uh, and, uh, but I, um, I love that he never kills the guy he wanted to kill. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, you know, like the thing bad, is, like, like I never. Th- marksman. I never thought of it like that. And yes, that's it's, exactly it's what happens, which is kind of funny almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I would give this one uh, at the least. I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. Adorable monkeys reaching for Leonard Nimoy's hands through the bars of a cage. Yes, they're, they're monkeys. Which uh, uh, Columbo says the one like "Take it easy, pal." At one point, which I loved. Like he right. kind of reached for one. He's like, "Ah, take it easy, pal." <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Um. Well, thank you very much, uh, Zach. Where should people go? If they'd like to see uh, what you're working on these days, uh, well, my my writing typically appears at the AV Club. Right now, I'm doing a classics review of all the first four seasons of the well, first five seasons of Futurama. Oh, neat! Um, yeah, and I uh, we're almost getting we're almost wrapping up that, nice. and then uh, I'll be writing about Rick and Morty when it comes back. Oh, and, uh, boy, I can't wait for that! A bunch of other shows in the fall, and you can also find me on Twitter, uh, my Z Handlin, uh, H A N D L E N. Well, thank you for coming on the program. Thank and, you so much uh, for having me. Sure, sure. And, and we might, uh, we might, uh, you've only seen like uh, 10 or 11 episodes of so far. We might force you to watch another one sometime in the future because we got a cool. uh, bunch more of these to go through. So, yeah. <clears throat> 90s. Yeah, 90s one. Oh, boy. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, actually, I'd love to get your opinion on a 90s one. Yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah, figure out, figure out one. I'd love to. Yeah, love to. Uh, Shatner deal. Who knows? Um, all right. Well, that's the program mm-hmm. for this time around. Uh, if you want to listen to other episodes of Just One More Thing, uh, you can go to our website at jomtpodcast.com. They're all up there. Or go to the podcast section, uh, TV and Film of iTunes, or whichever uh, podcast application or website you use. Uh, if you want to follow us uh, in between programs, uh, we're on Twitter, JMT Podcast. Uh, we're also on Tumblr, jmtpodcast.tumblr.com. You're kind of getting a theme here. We picked the one name. We settled on it. Uh, the Tumblr site, uh, we post about new episodes. 
But then also other stuff that's Columbo-related we find around the internet. Uh, John posts these uh, really great stream caps he does uh, with uh, some more thoughts about the episodes. Uh, but yeah, go up there. You'll find everything uh, we think of to put on the internet about Columbo. Oh, and also, uh, the, um, I noticed whoever let us, left us another review on iTunes. Uh, much appreciated. They enjoyed the program. So thank you for doing that. Uh, if they, the rest of you folks want to do that, we wouldn't hate it. It would be a nice thing. I guess it gets us up there for in the rankings, people listening to stuff. It, it would be a lovely gesture you could make about things. If you like Columbo and you like listening to us talk about Columbo for uh, three hours every two weeks, that would be a lovely thing. Uh, but yeah, that's the program for this time around. I'm R.G. White. I'm John Lawrence. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you next time. Thanks. Oh, listen, just one more thing. just can't believe it. We, we were so close. I mean, of course, in a lot of ways, you know, we were far apart. How is that? Well, I mean, I've always been inner-directed, and she was other-directed, you know what I mean? Well, not I'm really. I'm career-oriented. Sharon was motivated by others' wishes, you understand? I no. had personal selfish goals, and Sharon was devoted to humanity, do you follow? Uh, well, I'm beginning to get some of the drift. Excuse me, Lieutenant. Yeah. You were both nurses, is, is that right? Yes, but Sharon always was devoted to healing. She always worked in hospitals. Myself, I work in Beverly Hills for a plastic surgeon because I selfishly enjoy being with middle to upper middle class people.